0: You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent listener-supported radio. I'm back back in the New
1: York. Ryan, Scott,
0: that's a that's a sweater you got there. That's an interesting color. I've never seen that color before. I don't think.
1: Uh, you know, I'm laughing because this is a new sweater, and I got it and i was like i don't know i don't know about this color <laughs> and joanna was like it's a just wear something it's not blue or gray or whatever just wear it and i was like i'm just saying i can't like i couldn't just walk in somewhere wearing this sweater and have nobody remark on it she's like it's just <laughs> <laughs> and there it is and this is virtually it's like, oh, right. it is, it's a rust kind of...
0: Uh, it's not even a bad color. I meant, no, I meant no criticism of it. I meant nothing, you know. No,
1: but yeah, you know, that's what I'm usually guarding against is just I prefer to walk into a room and it's just neutral. <laughs> <laughs> I almost sent you guys a photo uh, uh, because, you know, I, so I tried Stitch Fix for the first time in my life. Oh, maybe and it was nice I got some nice clothes I enjoyed it yeah and there was a shirt and you know I've actually lost some weight so I'm fitting better in clothes it's kind of a nice thing there was a shirt and I got it fit great but it was like a very it was a a change of style you know what I mean this is an abrupt so I I was like and I liked it I liked the shirt it fit great but I was just like I can't do it you know (laughs) (laughs) can't do it I'm like, I just can't walk in and be this. I'm just, I have never been this person wears this shirt. I can't do it now. Joanna was like, so she wanted me to wear it in a meeting with, I was meeting, we were going out to dinner with her friends. She was like, wear it with this. They don't know that, you know, I was like, you know what? I just won't wear this shirt enough. (laughs) So I sent it back anyway. But that was in the same shipment as this sweater, which I did keep.
0: And what was the look of the shirt? Like, what was the shirt?
1: You know, it's like one of those, like, it's a plaid, but it's like, it's kind of these one of these trendy plaids, you know, like, <laughs> multiple pockets, like, I'll send you a picture of it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Like, there's nothing, it's not totally out there, but right. it would be a departure from my normal, you would... Everyone – I could not walk in – our friends, if I walked in for a dinner or beers and just tried to play this off as though nothing was happening, it would no one would accept that. You know no. what I mean? Like we would <laughs> have to discuss it.
0: <laughs> but so that's – I think a reasonable question to ask is are we the problem? And I don't even mean we like excluding you because you would do – yeah, you know that. You would do the oh, same thing.
1: You, oh, right. I'm yeah. the worst one.
0: But, <laughs> But like are we – the problem or like, cause I'm not even remarking negatively on that Twitter. It's just right. like, you know, Brian is a thing and he has been for th- like the 30 years that I've known him. <laughs> and, and I see a different thing on the screen right now. Right. And I have to at least ask, are you okay? Like, <laughs> right.
1: I know, you know, I, I've tried over the years as I've gotten older to let people evolve into who they want to be a little bit more and not hold pigeonhole them. You know, sometimes lines are crossed where you can't, you have to mention it. But as we get older, I am trying, um, you know, like our good friend, Adam McCullough friend of the show. I hope he's listening. Maybe he'll be listening to this. You know, he's evolved his look as you know, big time, (laughs) big time. Yeah. I've tried to let, you know, not necessarily, stunt that evolution right and uh you know let people be the people they want to be but uh yeah i'm, li- I'm just laughing because i was it was really funny that you pointed <laughs> out
0: <laughs> I just open with it well i think that's the evolution though right it's like if we were you know still in high school and i saw that color on you it would just it would we would be it would just be like what do you think you're doing? Who do you right. think you are? And, you know, it, there's a much nicer acceptance to it, but it's still just, like, notably different. I mean, speaking of, like, weird pla- – like, you know this story, but maybe the listeners don't, because this is something that's become, like, almost a family legend within, you know, my immediate family. But uh, we were much younger. We might have not even been 30 yet, and I got this new – uh, same thing, plaid shirt. There was like hints of purple in it, which is just like not a thing I do. Yeah. But I wore it, and it's just, but all it was is just a button down plaid shirt. It was like a little purple. Right. And I came in, and you, Joanna, Tyler, everybody was reacting to it. And <laughs> it was just like, what? So then we go out, and we were on St. Mark's Place in the city, just like we were kind of between bars or whatever or spots, and. Uh, I don't know. We were waiting for somebody to come out, and this girl is walking down St. Mark's Place. Just, I, you know, we don't know. It's just some random city girl, you know? And she stops and she looks at me and she goes, Something is weird with this shirt. It's a nice shirt, and you're not a bad looking guy, but this isn't something's wrong here.
1: <laughs> just, you just exuded just some right. discomfort. Yeah, like, right. No. And she
0: could smell it on me. <laughs> and. and Nicole and I, to this day, speculate as to whether or not that was her just years before we met. Because it seems like something she might do. And, and, you know, because, like, I think that girl, too, she was, like, she, like, thought there was something to me also. Which is why she decided to say something. But she noticed you are very uncomfortable.
1: Right. I like you. I like the shirt. I don't like them together, though. There's something (laughs) off. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Something's not right here. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah. New
0: clothes are hard. It's hard. It's hard. It yeah.
1: is tough. It's difficult.
0: Right. Recently, I was talking to our friend Tyler, and and he was saying he said something like, "Uh, he you know he had Easter pictures taken or something f- you know for the family or whatever." And, and he said, "You know, I was wearing like a gingham bucket, button down with like a sweater over it. I think like really a scoty she kind of look." And I was just like. That's not exclusively me. All right. <laughs> like, let's not pretend like that's not your uniform, too.
1: Right, right. Like, we all have the same look. There's right, one look. Yeah. yeah we're a little a, bit of gradations.
0: Right. We're like relatively buttoned up guys. There's right. They're not an outfit. Old moves. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, well, it looks snazzy on you. It's a bit, <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a NYX orange.
1: It is. A little bit. yeah. there. It could be. It could be.
0: Yeah. So speaking of the Knicks, dropped a tough one last night. Uh, another close game and another close game to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, just brutal. Brutal loss. Um, can we win? Can we win the tight ones, Brian? Can we?
1: I mean, no. We can't. But <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. Yeah, there's been a number of them lately. In fact, my wife was teasing me last night that like she's like, Do they always lose by one point? Pretty much. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's the trend of late. Uh, think of what, they're two and seven now on the year in games decided by three points or less. God. Um you know, you think about it if you're even four and five in those games, you know, you're looking at a it's it's a big difference. Yeah, so huge. Um Yeah. You know, I think there's definitely ways of like I was going to ask you this, like I'm at the point where this next season has been a success already and everything else is sort of gravy. So like I'm, 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 I'm hurting when they lose and I'd like to start winning some of these games, especially last night. That was like more tough because they, they should have really won. They should be beating that team, right? Like they didn't. James Harden went out in the first quarter, didn't come back. Still that hamstring still bothering him. They didn't have Kevin Durant. They didn't have Blake Griffin. They just had Kyrie. Like I think we're better than that team with all those guys missing, even with Kyrie Irving. Or we're at least like that's a winnable game. On the other hand, like Julius Randle is, is this is his first time really beat like last year was his first go round of being the best player on a team. And he didn't do very well. This is his first go round of like being the best guy on a good team or a decent team, it's trying to figure out how to like win these types of games. I don't know. You know, I'm I'm just not like ah. Uh, you know, <laughs> I just feel like there was this thing today of like even that you know Berman of the Post was sort of like this was an alarming loss. You know, and and, and there's people trying to kind of turn these this season into like oh, they, they didn't make any trades, and that's going to cost them the playoffs. And, you know, I, I don't know. Like, there's not much that can really make me – that can happen from here on out that, that this season isn't a success for me. So, you know, I'd like them to start winning a few of these, but it all feels like part of the process of they're trying to build something here. This is, like, step one. I don't know. I'm not freaking out about it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. There's no reason to freak out. Like, there's none. There's never been a reason this whole year. We've been playing with house money. It's not even – honestly, I don't even want to say we've been playing with house money because I don't even think that's true exactly. I just think that I, – I think the real issue that we're facing here is that we haven't really dealt with a Knicks team that's been good in so long that no one really understands how to handle themselves. And then, if you take even the Carmelo era out of things, when and, and especially those years when we were good with Carmelo, it's also still different because we don't have a Carmelo-ish play. Like, I, Randall's our best player, and he's an emerging star, and that's wonderful and everything, but he's not like this established scorer type of best player, right? And I just think, like... You know, because I was—I I pointed it out on a group text with Matt this morning. But like in in somewhere in February, all of us were like, "Done with Bullock. Done with Burks." Why do we see so much of those guys? Why are they st- like? Why is Bullock starting? Why do we see so much Burks? And we, you know, we would be lost without those two guys. And I just think like everyone is so, especially because we are, you know, firmly a playoff contender, and we're getting to the home stretch of the season. I think. Tensions are high with people, and everyone is prone to overreacting. But we've been overreacting to stuff all year. You know, like, even Obi's coming on now. We were, like, ready to just, like, just give him to somebody. (laughs) Just trade him for cash. Trade him for, like, a car. Do anything. Like, get him out of here. But I think you're right. I think that this feeling this year beats anything we've experienced in over five years and that's not to say that well now I can die in peace over this season like far from it but just the fact that you know we're really competitive in these games the outcome of these games matter you know we'll see what happens like we're not winning the title this year so it really is about getting whether Randall hits these game winners or is able to close or not He's getting the reps in a year where we're not winning the title anyway. So he's getting those reps in. Same with RJ. Same with, you know, just everybody, really. It's like, it's just like, we're, I, I just think that we, um, that anyone who's overreacting to anything that's happening with the Knicks right now should just settle down. Like, <laughs> enjoy what we have in front of us. Like I think we have a chance to win on Wednesday night, and we might lose, and we might lose a close one, and we might, and it might be brutal. But it it is sort of like I have this like I feel again kind of situation where it's just like, you know, how many times have we been watching full Knicks games in April in the last? Like, no. you know?
1: <laughs> I've never. I haven't watched this much Knicks basketball in you know, twenty years. Yeah, like. Um. You know, I I like this team more than any Carmelo team. I like it more than... I might even like this team more than, like, I liked the 99 mix. I really like this team. It's young. It's, you know, it's something that we've... You know, it's the prize for a lot of the losing we've had. Um, You know, I think... I, I don't know. It is interesting. Like, they're suddenly good enough that... I don't want to let them off the hook when they lose games they, should, they shouldn't, They should you know. Correct. Or, yeah. And there is something to, like, okay, look, Randall now, he's a top 15 player, right? Like, those, and, and most people are kind of, we're all agreeing that, like, we're probably extending him at max dollars, that he's, we're all pretty committing to him. Well, that's going to mean making that shot last night, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and so, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, he's, he's still playing great. He's been, um, very good even this month or, well, now we're in a new month, but March, you know, post all-star break. Um, but his shooting has slumped a little, he's still shooting, you know, really high. He's still shooting really well from three, but, uh, I think he only shot like 43% from the field in March, something like that and still shot like 41% from three, which is great, but it, it's dipped. He's had more of these six to seventeens, seven to 19s. Um, they're asking a ton of him, the rebounding assists, it's all still there, but like he's dipped a little bit, but I, I don't, I just don't want to like freak out about it or make too much out of, it. or he's got to. he's got to deliver or, you know what I mean? Like here's this guy where was shocked how good he is. Right. Um, so I don't want to go crazy or, or say, you know, RJ's got to come up big in these fourth quarters. Or, like, or like if they if they slip here and they only get to the play-in game and maybe they don't make the playoffs. You know, like, we still have learned a lot about a lot of these guys. We, we know who to, the going-forward guys are. Um, I think we all have a lot of confidence in Tibbs. Um, you know, it's not the end of the world.
0: I, I totally agree. I, I really just think, like... <laughs> And this is how everyone obviously should live their life where it's like, I feel like it's the quest of the human condition to just live in the moment and not think too much about the past or the future and just be present. And like, you know, that's all the self-help guru-y type yeah. of stuff. But that's like what, that's what a Knicks fan really has to do. Because I think too, a lot of our discussion today earlier over text is like, you know, because like you're saying, I agree with you a hundred percent. The Knicks, there's needs to be some accountability at this, they're good enough to be held accountable, but not so good that we need to like lose our minds over a bad game or a bad loss or, or or whatever. And and that's just like right, Randall, you're on a different stratosphere now. So, you know, yeah, you're doing everything. You're getting triple doubles and and you're amazing. But we also want you to hit the game winning shot because we're gonna <laughs> yeah. give you a max deal and hit that shot. You know, right? And it's like R.J not being kind of universally beloved as the 25 under 25 or, you know, whatever that thing is. It's like, yeah, no. On the one hand, I feel slighted because I like RJ, and I think his development is is just an enormous – it's probably the biggest relief I have in all of New York sports is that RJ Barrett is going to be good, you know? Right. But but also, he wasn't that good last year. And he disappears at times, and there are certain games where we could – you know, use just a little more from him yeah. and it's okay to feel that way about him. Like I don't fault people for not noticing RJ's development. You know, like after last year you had a number three overall pick. You're clearly like well below whoever the top two were in that particular year. Your rookie season's not that flashy. Now we're getting towards the end of your second year and it's looking like, okay, we do have something here, but I understand why half the world doesn't notice that. So I would just say don't get too caught up in everything. Like, as as guys who have watched every single Knicks game this whole season, I feel good about where we are and where we're headed. And I think that, you know, it, it's fun to debate this and that with your friends, but not to lose sight of the big picture of we're in the best spot we've been in with Knicks basketball in 20 years. And I'm not – gonna excuse bad play i certainly not gonna nitpick the team like yeah yeah let's just enjoy
1: yeah you know I, I, you're alluding to like so there was espn had some lists 25 best players under 25 in the nba and rj was actually on two of the three guys lists but he was towards the bottom and in the aggregate he then didn't make the list of um The fine, you know, however they did it, they, you know, aggregated those three guys picks and he was an honorable mention, ultimately. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I'm not definitely not going to allege some kind of mixed conspiracy bias (laughs) there. (laughs) Um, I am surprised. I mean, I do find that odd. I will say Uh, just as I do, you know, the whole thing with him not making the all rookie team first or second where I didn't put. I didn't think about it too much but did it, it you did go that that is strange um he was the third pick in the draft he played pretty well last year um he comes out this year he's playing you know it's it's like I think he got off to such a slow start you know and then he's been really good now for a good two months, but his like overall season numbers maybe haven't caught up to it. So like, if you're not watching him every day, you're just not totally aware of how much he's improved. Um, but cause you know, I don't know. There were guys on the list where you're like, what, you know, <laughs> like to me, I mean, who's there's not that many of them where you're like, okay, this is the second best player on what's a team in the playoff hunt you know who's 20 years old like i do feel like his ceiling is pretty pretty high yeah. and his floor is really high
0: <clears throat> yeah oh yeah i think yeah his his floor is much is ver- is like really high like if nothing else he's always going to be extremely versatile really strong really tough to guard um yeah i don't know i i, I don't know what it is i think it's just because like we were so terrible last year and he wasn't that great and that this year the story has kind of been Randall, and and even more quickly over RJ in terms of just like, ooh the new the you know the the shiny new toy, or whatever. But you know it, it'll just make the story all that much sweeter when he's awesome someday, and it's like you know he got disrespected or whatever. But I just I don't care. Like I do think that we continue to live in a world where Nick's skepticism is fair, and yeah, and like. But I know that that we've watched enough Knicks basketball this year to sort of be above that skepticism, but I don't blame it from the outside world. Um, because, look, yeah, games like last night are frustrating. Like, Julius, hit that shot. Minnesota is infuriating. RJ, yeah. hit that shot. You know, it's like, it sucks, but... At least I care that they missed the shot. Like, that that in and of itself is the compliment. Is like, I expected and wanted you to make that shot, and I'm angry that you didn't. And I, I feel that way. It's like what you say to your Like, I'm not angry, I'm disappointed. Right? Yeah. Like, feel bad about it. Because I really, I expect more of you, Julius, and I expect more of you, RJ.
1: Yeah, well, it's also like, it's just because of the way the Eastern Conference is this year. You have all these mediocre teams. Like, you know, we looked up at a certain point. They're like the fourth in the East. Like, right now they're like, two games away from being fourth in the East, but they're also two games away from being ninth. Right. So it's easy to get disappointed, but I feel like if we even limp home here and all we get is the play in and then we lose, let's say, I I don't think that's that big a drag, you know, like as long as no one craters here and and I'm not, I just don't see it happening. I think Randall, I think there's room for him to even get better. I'm not, I'm not worried about, Oh, is this sustainable? I think it's, Clearly sustainable. I think he might even be better next year. I think RJ is absolutely like, I can't wait to see him play next year. Yeah, quickly, I think we will be a lot better next year. And then you know, hey, all of a sudden, Obi has shown a little sign of life. Thank God. Um, you know, if he could play well, that would really that would be great. What's um, going
0: on with Obi? What what happened? I don't know. Like he's playing now. Like I thought he would play in January. Like, I really just right. think he, it was psychological.
1: Yeah, he definitely, means I mean, it's definitely a confidence thing for sure. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. He's played a nice couple of games here. Like, I don't know if I'm, I'm ready to <laughs> shake off months of just uselessness. <laughs> um, but it's nice to see him look aggressive. I've, I've, you know, I haven't wanted him to leave the floor the last few times when he's been in because you've just been wanting to keep, see him, see keep it going. Um, I don't, I don't know. What do you, like, you know, it's funny because the more we kind of, like, slink down, you know, I, like, Tibbs is going to go all out here, right? To, like, get every win that he can get. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess that's what he's got to do. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to criticize that at all. That's fine. But, you know, there is part like, last night was a good example. Like, Obi played a couple good minutes. He got him out of there pretty quickly. And you're like, ah, maybe keep it going. But, you know, I don't want to lose that game. I get, you know, I get his side of it. Um, it'll just be interesting to see that tension play out depending on where they, you know what I mean? The more that they start to hover around eight, nine, uh, you know, how how people react to to what he's how he's managing that situation yeah
0: well and and especially obviously like it's it's just funny like what's so funny to me about the alfred payton situation is how long it's been an issue and how yeah. like it's as though tibbs lives in an alternate universe where he has no idea that anyone even thinks it's a bad idea that alfred payton yeah plays and it's hilarious. I respect it. Because, because, again, too, you go through these peaks and valleys where it's like, you know, like just even in our three-way group text of you, me, and Matt, it was like Peyton was the central focus of discussion for like a month. And then we kind of just like wore ourselves out fighting about it. So then things turned to Obi for like a month and a half. Then like Knox. Now we're back to Peyton because it's like he's still around. And, I know. And it's like, I just sort of feel like this is what Tibbs is. This is what he's gonna do. And as mad as anyone is about Peyton today you know next week you'll be mad about something else like the frank somehow the frank momentum will pick up again and people will be like where is frank and <laughs> no one will even be talking about peyton for a while i guess because you know frank would replace peyton but it's am just saying like i don't know people will lose their energy to be upset about peyton at some point and they'll talk yeah. about something else and then we'll by the time we're ready to circle back to peyton the season will be over and we're not going to bring him back anyway
1: right I mean, I'm done talking about Alfred Payton, but uh, you know, (laughs) he shouldn't be playing. But it's okay. You know, it's funny. I was laughing like last night. There was a moment, like you know, Breen, Mike Breen, the you know, the Knicks legendary play-by-play man, who I think is the best broadcaster of any sport, um, best play guy play 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 by you know, I think ever. I think he's fantastic. But it's so funny to me how sometimes he's like. talking to Nick's Twitter, you know, like, <laughs> and he likes Peyton, you know, he gets it. He likes his defense. He thinks the guy's got some grit, you know? And, uh, yeah. and he called out quickly. I don't know if you remember this last night. He, he put a real spotlight on a, on a bad defensive play Yes, quickly. And he was like, yes. teams doing that. They're going right at Emmanuel quickly. You know, uh, <laughs> and you could just hear him. It was, ta- he was talking right to all of us bitching about Emmanuel quickly and uh, it was just funny because every once in a while, you'll hear something from Breen that is like, he says it like it's just a thing, you know, but it's it's a direct, I'm talking to the fans and I'm talking on behalf of Tom Thibodeau.
0: Totally. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think both uh, Breen and Clyde spent maybe the first two full minutes of the broadcast or like post-tip justifying why quickly was starting. Like they really like talked about it for <laughs> at the beginning of the yeah, game. yeah. Quickly is starting for defense. Just so everybody knows that's why he's starting and it's a good idea because it's a good idea. It's like <laughs> right. it was so funny. Yeah.
1: Well, whatever.
0: Yeah, whatever. I you know, Boston coming up on Wednesday and then Friday we got somebody. Milwaukee again? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've played Milwaukee an inappropriate number of times I know. why have we, we played Milwaukee play
1: Detroit today? how can we get Detroit right. back on the schedule <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh
0: all right um you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn independent listener supported radio Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and to promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air. Support independent community media by pledging whatever you can. All contributions are tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org donate. Uh, Brian, we are going to get into a topic that we don't often touch upon here in on the Giants Among Men podcast, and that is the New York Jets. <laughs> There's a second football team in this town.
1: There is,
0: and I hate to say it, but I, I'm pretty sure they're poised to be better than us for like a pretty good stretch here.
1: Um, I guess that's true. Um, potentially. Potentially. Um, sure. You know I, I think Zach Wilson is a question mark though um I, I think it would be pretty hilarious too if, the, if they are if they end up wrong on Zach Wilson oh I hope uh, so yeah of course you know I mean it would yeah. be like there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this or intriguing quarterbacks you know look i, I he's definitely got um I, I think I, I don't think he'll be terrible right I think it seems unlikely he seems to have a big time arm um like just a truly special elite arm. Um when I watched him play, I see a lot of like a Baker Mayfield in them, and you know, he's a little undersized. Like there's some people drawing like the Rodgers and Mahomes comparisons, like I don't really see that. That's the, I I know the, the the arm talent is uh supposedly there. Um, I, I mean,
0: it's also just that's ludicrous. To like <laughs> You can apply any comparison you want to Trevor Lawrence and just about any other quarterback. That's like I would even say in the last ten years, like maybe at the moment they were drafted, only Trevor Lawrence and maybe Andrew Luck or were worthy of the kind of hype where you could compare them to an already in the league, like top level QB. Everybody else is saying, well, he reminds me of Mahomes and Rod.
1: What? Well, I mean, they're saying that's like the type of arm that you're talking about. Right. It just seems more slight to me than those guys by a considerable margin. Um, But, you know, I I also love that term arm talent. It's just like such a funny. (laughs) Where did that come from? Right. Special arm talent. Um, He's got a good arm. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He throws it hard and far. I know. I don't know. I, to me, though, it's just like he could be – there's risk there, I think. But, I mean, I like the coach the Jets have. Um, you know, they got something for Darnold. Not a huge haul, but they did get a – what, a second-round pick next year? I think a pick this year. So they got something.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's just Darnold. And, frankly, I don't even think it's just uh, Zach Wilson. I, I have not seen any Zach Wilson hardly at all. I mean, I mostly know – that you texted me at some point in the fall. Are you watching this BYU game? This kid, Zach Wilson's really good. But I, I really haven't seen a ton of him. Um, I'm mostly just relieved that it seems like the Jets aren't going to take Justin Fields, and that's just mostly the outcome that I'm hoping for from the draft. But I'm just talking about the Jets kind of in totality, where now they have Joe Douglas, who is supposed to be pretty good, They have Saleh, who I do think is going to be really good. The second overall pick, where they can take any non-Trevor Lawrence quarterback they want. And then you realize they have, uh, in the next two years, they're going to have 22 picks in the first three rounds. And they're going to have 10 top 100 picks in the next two years. And that includes four first-rounders. So, you know, they have a guy who's supposed to be a pretty good GM. They have a good coach. They have a second overall pick. They have a a large crop of really good quarterbacks to choose from. And on top of that, after they take that quarterback with the second overall pick, three additional first-round picks over the next two years to build around that guy and 22 in the top three rounds. Like, that's just that's bananas. And it's just all the timing of it, too, where I know that, Uh, Joe Douglas was kind of hired on a different timeline but like you know part of the mess that's been the Giants was Gettleman and then years later Judge but in between that Daniel Jones and there's just like the timing is all off and it doesn't mean that the Giants aren't going to be able to right the ship but I just feel like the Jets are now loaded into a cannon now it could be a misfire but they're loaded into a cannon and they could just boom shoot out and be awesome
1: yeah, it's true. But they got to get. The, I mean, it's got. He's got to be good. You know. I mean, it's right. the same problem. The Giants – You know. Like I, I'm interested right. how you square your Giants pessimism with Judge optimism. Well, is it then just Jones?
0: No, it's what it's really. My Judge optimism is like I kind of just hope Judge is able to survive. Like I just think that the Giants have some unavoidable pitfalls that they're going to have to conquer while preserving judges reputation. And I don't even mean necessarily with like the media or with me, but with the team where judge has to continue to look like he knows what he's doing, because I do think that he does while John Mara figures out like how to own and run a modern NFL football team. Um, and I think that's the problem because I do think that I think the judge is a good coach, but I think that the organization has put too many shackles on judge and that he's doing his best to stay afloat with, you know, Gettleman running the front office and Jason Garrett calling the plays. And, you know, I think that basically everything judge is more or less in charge of it looks good, you know, like hiring Patrick Graham, making Patrick Graham, the assistant head coach and not some of the more experienced guys. Like even like, You know, last year, a guy like Brett Bielema, like, that guy has big-time head coaching experience. He's been assistant on really good NFL teams. But out of everybody, he chose Patrick Graham to be his assistant head coach, and that's the guy who ran the defense, and that was by far the best unit on the team. So I think that my pessimism is more about, like, do we know what we're doing in the draft and in free agency and on offense? But again, Judge has made some good hires where you're starting to hope, like, Maybe, like you were saying the other day, maybe Jason Garrett calls the plays, but the offense is designed by some of these more forward-thinking college guys that he's been accumulating. So that's kind of how I square it. Like, I'm pessimistic about – and and Daniel Jones, you've said it before. He's the key, right? Yeah. Like, if, if he can make it work, then everything's going to work. But if he can't, I think things are going to fall apart, and I think that's going to be – we're really going to waste having had a, a good coach in the building for a bad team.
1: Yeah, I, I just think Judge is in charge of the Giants. Like, I think Joe Judge is the most important person in the Giants organization. And so I don't think Gettleman is going to draft anybody that Joe Judge doesn't want. Um, I think Joe Judge had a lot to say about who they picked up in free agency. Um and, yeah, I do like that he, you know, he added, what was it, an offensive analyst from LSU or something. Yeah. Um, it's just uh, – he's definitely surra- adding some offensive coaches. And you're hearing things that he wants to be – I, you know, I get the feeling that he wants to be more hands-on with the offense and, like, um, Garrett is going to have to be okay with that, you know, if <laughs> he wants to be He's welcome. here. Yeah, I mean uh, – which is how it should be. Like, I mean, there's just no reason the Giants should be running like Jason Garrett's system. Nine. You know, like I don't, I don't know why we would want to. Um, so that is an encouraging sign that they're bringing in guys who are going to, um, you know, potentially do that. Um, so I don't know. Like I'm just saying, the Jets. Like, are we are we staring it in the face of the Jets? you know, the, the dawn of the jets possible, you know, it's definitely possible. Um, they're going to have to hit on the QB. They have some things in place, but they, you know, they're the jets. I don't know. I don't know what, you know, I mean, it's looked this way before
0: that's true. Um,
1: you know, and somehow it never seems to work out. I don't know if it's something in the air the water, whatever they do, (laughs) you know, it's like the Mets, right? Somehow things always have a way of, history repeating itself and now the Mets we got a new owner and maybe this time it's going to be different maybe it's not you know I don't...
0: <laughs> yeah I'll, I want to and we're going to get to the Mets in, ju- in in just a second I do just want to backtrack I guess you know the thing I agree with everything you just said about the Giants with you know I do think Judge right like we're not going to draft anybody Judge doesn't want and uh Judge probably had a big say in free agency but It doesn't mean that we're not still dealing with the consequences of Gettleman absent of Judge. Like, you know, free agency got delayed because of the Leonard Williams contract. It does seem like as much as I think sort of the salary cap is all made up nonsense, I also think that, you know, we could run into some issues in the future with the way we've had to restructure some deals if we're not – clever and smart about that. And and a lot of that does like, it just drives me nuts. And, And I've belabored the point with Garrett, but I think also the same thing applies to Gettleman. I do think John Mara is just like, you know, what part of the importance of Joe judge is John Mara saying to judge, we can't let Gettleman and Garrett walk out of this building with this organization in humiliation. So you have to you, Joe need to save their reputations and then once you do, they're free to go. And then this can fully become your team. But only after you save their reputations from the ass sheep that they themselves created.
1: It is true. I mean, it is this weird thing. Like, they don't want to fire Gettleman because they like him and he's one of them and they don't want him to leave in disgrace. Yeah, it's right. definitely a big part of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I, I, we'll see what the Giants look like when they show up but i uh I, I think they're both franchises are in really interesting spots the jets definitely are like that it's all there in front of them to just make the right calls like they're set up very well yeah um and i, I do like their i think that was a good good as good a hire as they made in a long time sole um yeah but i will just say somehow some way things just seem to blow up in their faces and we'll just see i don't know
0: well that's true all right so speaking of of teams that end with ets who have things blow, blow up in, in their faces uh another tough one for your buddy jacob de Gram
1: <laughs> <laughs> i know just this Mets season right it's like we're all so excited i mean they signed lindor like there was this weirdness about that with steve cohen on twitter criticizing the guy and you're like what's going on <laughs> Didn't love that. They get him signed, though. They get him signed right before opening day. Here come the Mets. We're going to go out. And the game's postponed from COVID. And, like, oh my God. So they don't play at all the opening weekend. You got to wait. They come out there against the Phillies last night. I'm trying to flip back and forth. I got the Knicks and the Nets. I got the DeGrom on the Hill, Mets, Phillies. I'm begging my family to just disappear and leave me alone. <laughs> and they go out there, and DeGrom. Puts on another show, <laughs> and they lose the game, um, and they have a losing record over the last whatever last five years or something in games Degrom pitched. Well, so uh,
0: even just since since twenty eighteen, Jacob Degrom has a two point oh seven ERA, a two oh seven ERA over since twenty eighteen, and the Mets are thirty six and forty one in those games. <laughs>
1: Unfathomable. Unfathomable. What's what's <laughs> horrible about that is they haven't been that bad a team in those years either. Like right. so it's de- it's so damaging. You know, that's what I don't understand. So like last night, too, they take him out after six innings at 77 pitches with only a 2-0 lead. The guy's cruising. And I see today people defending that decision like, oh, that you know, he hadn't thrown in 10 days and they they agreed before the game that that's what they were going to do. What? I don't care that they agreed. You (laughs) You didn't agree to that. If you scored six runs, good, fine. You You know, I understand there's a goal hoping to get him out of there at six. But it's like for all the analytics and analysis that's come into baseball this part of it just seems to be this thing that they're all doing based on nothing. Like what evidence is there that he needed to, you know what I mean? Like what data do they have that says like he needed to come out of that game after 77 pitches? Like, right. And what I don't get is like, wouldn't the analytics tell you that? And I don't know. This isn't meant as like a comment on analytics and whatever, but it's like, all these decisions getting made that are data-driven in baseball. And this one, it's like the illusion that it's a data-driven decision. It just seems based on nothing. Because, like, Jacob deGrom's going to start 30 games this year. That's it. Of 162. So you got to win as many of the games he starts as possible. They're yeah. critical. Every one of them is like a jewel that must be protected. You know, every Jacob deGrom start, the the tension should be that you got to win. He is that good. So, like, you can't be, you know, being like, oh, hey, we'll get him out. You know, he's been 10 days. No, you got to win that game. Yeah. 77 pitches. Get him out there for the seventh inning and, like, win the game. Well, and not to mention, too, of the 41
0: losses the Mets have had with DeGrom on the Hill since 2018, 31 of those were the bullpen just blowing the game. So, like, they, you know, he comes out with a lead. Right, and, and the bullpen so all but ten of those losses. So it's just like you can't do it. You can't take him out. You just can't do it. You
1: can't like, do it. There's
0: some analytics for you. There are the numbers that tell you a lot of the time you take him out, to then disaster.
1: Right. Like and I'm not saying push him to 120 pitches in his first start of the year, but like 77. There's just no. You're basing that on nothing right. other than like it feels like it would be safer, but like he's not hurt he he was pitching great he was throwing 101 miles. he was averaging 99 miles per hour <laughs> like his arm was good right he looked strong you know like it wasn't like he was laboring out there or you know it, i just don't understand that you got to win every time he takes the mound
0: every time i i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to kind of make a a, a little a, a bit of a suggestion here it's going to seem unconventional I think he needs to capitalize the D in his last name. I think that's going to change this one. <laughs> Why is it lowercase?
1: I don't know. It is annoying as hell. It's annoying every time you need to, like, start a sentence with his name. <laughs> uh, that just bothers me. Yeah.
0: He, needs, he needs some big D energy is what he needs. You, you need to reach out to him, Brian. As a right. member of the New York sports media, you need to tell him, listen. I have a capital D and then a lowercase and then another capital.
1: Right. Like, I, I know about a capital, a third capital letter. I understand how it works. Right. But right. And it's, no reason it works to out
0: lowercase.
1: fine. And I don't stand for my M in Domena not being capitalized. All right. The Domena clan did not die face down in the muck <laughs> fighting for that capital M just only to see it, uh, you know, these ruthless americans not respect it
0: the peasant avante don't get to, <laughs> don't get to change that but i'll tell you
1: so i i know i want that capital m but yeah you're right
0: yeah we're not asking you to lowercase the g jacob
1: right just capitalize the d that's all right. big
0: d energy that's what you need pal
1: Right. it is weird yeah no and you know he cut his hair yeah two years ago which i think changed his whole life i you know I, he was a good pitcher with long hair he's a hall of fame pitcher with short hair so who, with a capital d yeah, who it's, knows it's what the could happen logical
0: next step in his evolution <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: god he's so good how could they possibly have a losing record with him pitching i does not even so make good. sense
0: it's ridiculous. It's, it could only happen to the Mets.
1: Right. right. That's what I mean. It's like when he's talking about the Jets. Somehow it's just like. Right.
0: It doesn't matter how nicely the table is set. Something about the meal is going to be off.
1: Right. Somehow Steve Cohen's Mets are going to look a lot like Jeff Wilpon's Mets. And we're all going to be like, how is this possible?
0: <laughs> With that said, a lot of early season baseball agony is just kind of hilarious. You know, I mean, like, because DeGrom is sort of this, like, you know, I mean, it's clearly an issue. We have years of, of data to back up that yeah, this. Yeah. is like an insane issue. It's also, you know, everybody calm down. Like, I, I don't know how many tweets I read this weekend about about the, the panic over the Yankee offense. And you're just like, calm down.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, right. Like, Yank- Stanton's getting booed. It's like, can you please... <laughs>
0: get out of here and then you know listening to people talk about how well you know i don't know the yankees might be built for the regular season but not for so the yankees get off to a slow start in the regular season and the conclusion that you're drawing is that the yankees are built for the regular season but not the playoffs like that makes no sense at all and and it's you know like i don't know if they have guys that can come up with a big hit yeah i don't know i i guess it was annoying that aaron judge grounded into a double play with the bases loaded but if you're the fan of the other team i don't think you're like thank god aaron judge is up with the bases loaded (laughs) (laughs) so it's just everybody gosh it's baseball is so funny because like spring training is happens in february and especially in the northeast everybody hates february so it's like oh spring training baseball's coming baseball's coming and then baseball starts and you're just like all right we have four months till a game matters so let's freak out
1: especially the yankees like i have news for every yankee fan (laughs) yankees are going to the playoffs okay punch your ticket right (laughs) and it's gonna be do they have enough pitching You know, to win, win it all. Like, just for God's sakes, the first weekend in April, you don't need to boo (laughs) Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge. And is he clutch enough? It's like they're gonna be fine. You know, let's we'll see how things play out. I have a feeling their offense is going (laughs) to be okay.
0: (laughs) I mean, like you, I was trying to flip between games last night, and when I, 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 you know, I went from the Yankee game and I it's like not that i went back to the yankee game it was seven nothing yankees like their offense is okay yeah
1: I, I i just they'll be fine yeah
0: uh so i started ted lasso this week well did you have anything else on baseball or
1: no no go um, ahead yeah. let's go to ted lasso great uh, show
0: i started watching ted lasso it was it's a great show and i'm not yeah. all the way through it yet uh but you know, I said to you the other day via text. My only gripe with the show is that it makes me hate myself. <laughs> because why, why am I not? Why am I not Ted Lasso, Brian? Why aren't yeah. you Ted Lasso? Why can't we just? Why can't we all just be happy?
1: I know self acceptance. Yeah. You know? Right. Self awareness and self acceptance, when combined, that is a beautiful thing. It's potent. I have the awareness, but not the acceptance.
0: Yeah, same. <laughs> right? And only one, no matter who you are, only one is crippling. Right. <laughs> <laughs> only one is a terrible thing to have. Right. But it got me thinking, because I get it. Like, I, I feel confident now at the high school level, having been a high school football coach for, you know, over 15 years, I think I can coach anything at the high school level. You know, maybe not top level in, in, in every sport, and maybe not even top level in football, but I could coach anything almost at the high school level, I feel like. Any sport, you know, I'll learn enough about it and figure out how to coach it. But, you know, like, it's, it's crazy, too, because Ted Lasso is such a good show that the premise seems not that crazy once you start watching it.
1: Right. Yeah
0: <laughs> the premise is ludicrous. Right, right. But it seems not crazy because it's like, well, this guy's clearly a leader. He you know, he's a culture builder. You know, we love yeah. culture now. And he's just building a culture with this English soccer team and, and they're gonna hopefully you know, probably win by the end of the season, first season I'm watching. But so who are the crossover coaches you would like to see? Like who are the guys in professional coaching you would say, like, I wanna give that guy a run in a different
1: sport? see him coach another sport yeah you know i would love to see like i could imagine like i think there's certain sports that would be easier than others right like football would probably be the hardest just because like there's a certain x's and o's that you just have to know but i don't know maybe not right if you hire the right assistants and you're just more of a ceo head coach like you know maybe maybe not like i don't know like um well like i couldn't wouldn't phil jackson as like a baseball manager be like yeah <laughs> the greatest like why couldn't he be a baseball manager just, no right just like personality blending like that's most of what that job is like keeping guys motivated um you know anybody he could call a suicide squeeze every now and then
0: <laughs> i think baseball would be the easiest one to cross over to right um as far as what you're saying with football, yeah. Like, I think there are some guys that could be culture. But, like, I would love to see I- – I would like to see Pat Riley coach football, honestly. Yeah. Like, sometimes, first of all, it's the attitude. That hair with the headphones on,
1: perfect. Right. Gets oh, shades God.
0: on. He's all set to go, you know? <laughs> and I think, yeah, he would hire good assistants. He knows what talent looks like. Like, I think Pat Riley would be an excellent football coach. I know baseball is the easiest crossover. I want to see Tom Coughlin be a, a manager of a baseball team only because I want to see Tom Coughlin fighting with the referees and getting tossed out of the game.
1: Right, right. Didn't we already see Tom Coughlin as a baseball manager when Terry Collins was, <laughs> <laughs> was the best manager? Right. Very similar characters. Yeah. Um, Basketball is interesting, you know, because like basketball there's a lot of strategy and there's a lot of moving parts and how you deploy lineups and uh, and all that's very true on the other hand basketball is so star driven yeah you know like look we got is uh steve nash doing a good job coaching the nets i have no idea right 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 <laughs> is steve kerr a good basketball coach i think so i right. don't know Yeah. who knows <laughs> I'm not sure.
0: I could see Aaron Boone running an NBA team.
1: Right. That's an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Who is the crossover guy that goes to the NBA? Like, Tibbs could coach in the NFL, I think.
1: Right. Probably. Probably
0: Popovich would probably fit in in those circles. But, yeah, I think it's hard because you're right. I do think that just from a strategy perspective, football is the hardest. But I sort of I'm struggling the most to come up with who's a guy who could cross over into the NBA.
1: Like, couldn't – like, if Urban Meyer took over a college basketball team.
0: College basketball team, yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. Like, could he make himself John Calipari by, like, next winter? Probably. Probably.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Probably. I think the biggest barrier for Urban is, like, the cultural difference. Like, football is so militaristic, and basketball is just culturally not that way. I think Urban would struggle – like he couldn't be like he, or urban he like he would have to be like a mac coach like he would have to coach Miami of Ohio to like a deep tournament run you know he couldn't he couldn't take over like a kentucky or a place like that that gets in these cuz his big thing is the big time recruits like he's able to pull southern athletes to ohio state football and that's what sort of like how he kind of changed the face of that program So I know that's his big thing, but I don't know that that would work out as well for him when it came to basketball.
1: What do you think explains this divide, the conservatism of football coaches with the seeming progressivism of basketball coaches?
0: Like, what do you mean exactly?
1: Well, like, uh, some I get, and maybe NFL coaches I don't really know. They just don't talk about it at all. But college especially, you definitely have, like, very conservative individuals who are college football coaches and then you have several very prominent nba coaches expressing like like for instance like greg popovich outwardly before you knew what his politics were i would not have guessed that they they are what they've turned out to be true or stan van gundy who is like true a super like you know uh uh, outspoken liberal you know what i mean with a capital l yeah um both those guys like wouldn't have necessarily guessed steve kerr i guess is not shocking but even to some degree more than i would have suspected um on the nfl side i guess there's none i don't know that there's any active nfl head coach whose politics are even known except maybe like pete carrolls but i don't know exactly what they are other than he has weird you know he's probably like Andrew Yang supporter, right? You know, (laughs) (laughs) it's a
0: true, (laughs) right? I, I think that here's what I really think boils down to with like the one of the major differences between football and basketball is the level of control that football coaches both seek and have is far greater than in basketball, like basketball in football if something magical happens in a play like just the you know the play breaks down and a quarterback just does something incredible it's it's not like if you're a coach it's less a joyous thing and more just like a relief like oh god we escaped that disaster whereas in basketball you're actually much more reliant on something magical happening just by giving a little freedom to everybody and you know as much as i think that Right now, people would have you believe that the left is the is the group that's out to try and control everybody with their cancel culture. I mean, (laughs) evidently, Brian, you can't say anything anymore, especially not anything that's racist (laughs) or sexist. You can't say any of those things like, you know, as much as everyone thinks the left is trying to control your speech and like allow you to vote and all these other weird things that the left is trying to do. I think the left is more about, like, just let people be. Like, let, you know, let's be more accepting and let's let people kind of be their themselves and let their own selves shine. And I think that's more of a fundamental, like, philosophy behind basketball versus with football. There is no individualism is encouraged whatsoever. Uh, so I think that has a lot more to do with it. It's just like these, you know... These guys yeah, the but it,
1: on some level, it's sort of counterintuitive. Like it is funny, like in football, right. You have like hard ass coaches preaching, like, um, sacrifice your individual glory for the team. You know, it's all about the team concept and becoming one and, you know, your individual pursuits, you know what I mean? And yet in, society it's like that's totally you know antithetical to like the capitalist ethos of right greed is good and um pursuing your individual interests actually will benefit everybody like it's just sort of funny um well and
0: we are concluding the radio show everybody thank you for listening but if you want to hear this political breakdown please join us for (laughs) bonus time (laughs) bonus time all right I i also think though much like the right that football coaches who who talk about uh you know sacrifice the individual for the glory of the team they're preaching that but what they're really preaching in most cases in in personal experience even is sacrifice your individual expression for the benefit of my individual success <laughs> right? And because everybody must submit to the team wherein I run the team. And thus you are submitting to me, your Supreme right. leader. And that is very much in line with the American right right now.
1: That's true.
0: And that's where that's coming from with the coaches.
1: Right. Especially the college football coaches, oh, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Disgustingly. So yeah, yeah. Disgustingly. So the
1: glory of, of me Davos Winnie, yeah right or mike gundy
0: or these yeah yeah
1: just right
0: and urban Urban
1: your name's not on the back of that jersey they should just all have the coaches names should be on the back of every college football jersey (laughs) no doubt about it
0: so i'm gonna be 40 on thursday
1: oh my god yeah what are we doing
0: when this airs i'll be 40 i don't know you know this is funny so uh you know, I don't know. Like, I, I, just, like, I have
1: one vaccine shot. I'm out of town, but uh, I, we 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 could do something.
0: Yeah, we could. You know, it's funny because it's mostly like family who's been like, "Well, what are we gonna do?" And, you know, Nicole even was like, "Do you want to do anything?" Like, how do we organize something in in you know in the current world that yeah. we're in? And I was like, you know, honest to God if I just could eat a cheeseburger and have everybody leave me alone, I would be like the perfect 40th birthday. Like I, you know, right. that's, that's fine. And Nicole has been put in the unfortunate and uncomfortable situation of explaining to family when family is like, well, it's, it's a huge birthday for Scott. What does he want to do? And Nicole's just like, he wants to just eat a cheeseburger and be left alone. Like that's what he says he wants. And like, everybody is like not believing her. They're like, oh, he's having like a midlife crisis about turning right. 40. You can't let that be what he does. And she's right. just like, no,
1: like, no so specifically that's... all of you, actually, that he would most like to <laughs> 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 to avoid for one day. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, well, it's too bad. It's like you're like a month or two away from where it could be like the first party of the post pandemic period. But it's kind of we're just right on the edge, right, where it's not quite safe yet.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just sort of feel like that's I, I, I do think that over the summer we're all going to do something. Yeah, and I, you know, at, at that point, it'll just be a celebration of all of us. Like I was lucky enough to be with you on your fortieth, but nobody else really was. So as far as anyone's concerned, I'm the only one who celebrated your fortieth birthday. And like, <laughs> you know, I, I think we're all gonna get together. I don't think I don't think we're gonna get together this summer for like like Ed's fortieth or Joanna's fortieth or somebody's fortieth, and and for people to be like, well, Ishi's was in April, so. Nobody cares. <laughs> like, you know, he doesn't get yeah. any of the benefits at this it's party. A team
1: 40th birthday. Yeah. That's what we'll do.
0: That's what I'm thinking is going to happen anyway. So I, I'm not terribly worried about it. I will be satisfied. And I got two two new TVs in my apartment.
1: Hey, well, happy birthday to you. Yeah.
0: So, I, so I mean, honestly, a cheeseburger, a brand new TV. That's all, I, you know, I'm a simple guy.
1: How do you feel about it? How's it hitting you, 40?
0: Like, like, like I really, I don't. Yeah. It's not bothering me.
1: I agree. It hit me okay.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's part dirty. of it. When people hear about what I actually want to do on my birthday, I think that they think that I'm like compensating for some sort right. of like terror. But no, I just, I like cheeseburgers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good note to end on. I like cheeseburgers. That's the <laughs> <laughs> official show tagline. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, indeed. All right, Brian. Another one in the books. All right, another
1: success. And yeah. great success. All
0: right, we'll see you next week.